Hi everyone, happy Monday and welcome back to another episode. I apologize for being out last week. It was not planned, but with all the recent events going on with Asian American hate crimes and just the feelings I've had over this past few weeks, I I didn't feel like I should release an episode that week and just to be respectful for the tragedies and uh, everything going on. I wanted to use that time to reflect and take care of myself and my mental health. So I hope you can forgive me, but that's what I've been up to and just lots of work. But today is a really great episode. I'm really excited to have my good friend and pal Andres on here. I've known him for the last five years and we're in the same business fraternity. He's a great, great man and he's based in Austin and unfortunately was not able to interview him in person. He would have been my first in-person interview, uh, but uh, you can notice by my voice right now and throughout the podcast that it's a little raspy. It's a little bit sounding like I'm sick, and it is unfortunately because I am sick. So just know that you know your boy made it through. It was recorded on Friday, and so yeah, I'm excited for this episode. Hope you get a lot out of it, and And I'm sure you will enjoy listening to my friend and hope you learn a lot about real estate. And if you have any other questions, definitely reach out to him and his social medias that are at the end of the episode. So yeah, let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Best Regards, Brian. I have another amazing guest, a really good friend and even pledged brother. My good friend Andres is here with us today. Why don't you introduce yourself, my man? What's up, brother? I appreciate the invitation. Very excited to be on. And of course, let me introduce myself. I am from El Paso, Texas. I moved to Austin when I was 19 to study at the University of Texas at Austin. Now, a lot of people are like, wow, that's amazing and whatnot. I got into McCombs, but I didn't really even know what I wanted to do to start off. So I thought I was going to do supply chain. In the end, I didn't even do anything close to supply chain. So firstly, got into UT. Freshman year was amazing. I really enjoyed it, met a lot of people, but I wanted something. I wanted a job of some sort to where I didn't have to depend on my parents for money. And I really wanted to cover my apartment expenses and also my college expenses. So I was going to be a lifeguard. That didn't work out because my license had expired. So I stumbled upon the real estate opportunity. I became a leasing agent. And from there, it kind of all took off. A leasing agent, I had to get my real estate license. So I got that. Freshman, sophomore years weren't the best. I was learning a lot. Then junior and senior years were great for leasing. Actually got to make a sale downtown, a $1.1 million sale, which was insane and really opened my eyes to the real estate side of things to where I am the person that makes my own time and also that I can make as much money as I'm willing to commit towards my job. So that's one thing that really opened my eyes. And also one thing for for people that are like, oh, I don't know what major I want to choose and whatnot. It's important to note that I feel like half or even more people don't even know when they start. And in the end, they choose another major. So I was originally supply chain, got an internship in Mexico for supply chain, wasn't my gig. I switched to, I believe it was MIS. Then I switched to international business. I ended up majoring in international business and then real estate certificate. But in the end, I did real estate. So don't worry if you guys are like worried about where you're going to choose and whatnot. It's totally normal. That's awesome. And 
Ah, yeah, I, I love that aspect of being able to choose a job and be able to adjust the hours you want to put in. And that sounds amazing. And speaking of which, catch me up on what has changed since college. I know you've been grinding, hustling on social media, and you've been sharing your success stories with your clients. What's some major life updates? I know you have a home, you're, you're a house owner. <laughs> catch me up. It's so exciting. So Right out of college, I was really trying to decide between commercial real estate, which was a salary job eight to five, or doing an independent contractor. So independent contractor essentially is a 1099. That, Like I said, I work my own times. And I also, it's kind of like you eat what you kill. So you work hard, you get plenty of money if you're consistent with what you do and whatnot. So summer of 2019, I graduated and I really delved deep into real estate books and kind of like mindset stuff and what I wanted to do. And in the end, I said, you know what? With the sale that I made downtown, I have enough money to potentially cover five, six months if I don't make any sales. So let's go the realtor side, the residential real estate. So I did that. The first three, four months, I still stuck with leasing. But then I was like, you know what? I need to join a team that's killing it in this market. So I would reach out to people that were in Austin, cold call them, stumbled upon Diego Corzo, who is actually my business partner now. Very inspiring dude. I gave him a call. I told him I loved your podcast on Bigger Pockets. He was on Bigger Pockets, which is one of the biggest real estate podcasts in the world. He was on that. I cold called him. He was like, dude, I'm busy right now. Call me in next week. He didn't think I was going to call him, but I did. Told him my goals. We met up in person. Long story short, I'm part of his team now. So I love that. It's an awesome story that I love telling. Just not being scared to pick up the phone and call someone that you look up to. So right off of that, been helping a lot of families this past year, thankfully. I currently have one home. I am closing on my next home in April, closing on my third home in June. That's going to be an Airbnb. And then fourth home in June of 2022, I believe. So hopefully by the end of next year, June, I'm going to have four homes that I own and making a passive income. That's awesome. And I think that is just a reminder that no matter what age or you know where you start from, you can start building your wealth and not just through a typical nine to five. And you're obviously using your resources. And to your point earlier about cold calling and, and networking, really, I think that's amazing. I think finding those opportunities are not waiting for those opportunities, excuse me, and just actively looking for them. I mean, I'm honestly inspired, my dude. That's That's awesome. Thanks. And it's so important to use fear as a catalyst. A lot of people stick within their comfort zones and don't note that once you attack that fear that you have, you're going to feel way better, miles better. So it's just very important to know that fear should be a catalyst to take action as soon as possible. Oh, definitely. And yeah, don't get too comfortable or complacent. I uh, definitely understand that it can get easy, especially when you're used to doing the same nine to five. So awesome. I mean, you're obviously on your toes all the time. And and speaking of which, I know you, you mentioned sort of your undergrad experience and what you studied and, and you touched on sort of what triggered you to go into real estate, but more so for those in college currently, I guess if you could go back in time, what are some steps or actions that you might recommend for those interested in real estate? Like, for example, would you recommend them pursuing the housing scout route like you or would you recommend them shadowing or taking a part time gig? What, what would you recommend for those who are interested in college but don't know where to start? Both of those are amazing ideas. So actually, I had four internships for commercial real estate, but I would have liked to have shadowed a badass agent that really knew his or her stuff on the residential side. That's one thing that I regret. Housing scout is probably the perfect route into real estate because of the fact that it's leasing. So it doesn't take that much of your time up. 
And if you know the property managers for each apartment complex, you can give them a call or send them a text and just tell them, look, I'm going to send you four clients. These are their names. They're going to be under me as a realtor. And boom, they made it work because I had great relationships. I also learned how to how to negotiate, how to talk to tenants, how to talk to clients through all of that. Those four years were huge. And I feel like it's part of the reason that I've been successful, thankfully, with the residential side, also amazing mentors. And so it's just an accumulation of those things. The leasing side for me was probably the best, best route. Also, because like if I had finals, I could just tell my clients, you know what, I can't tour right now. But if you guys want to go, I'll just let the property managers know that you're going on my behalf. So for those of you guys that don't know, leasing, you're paid by taking clients to a property. In West Campus, usually it's a flat fee of $400 per bedroom. So let's say I am the person that takes four clients to a four bedrooms, two bathroom home. I'm going to get about $2,000. And the return on investment was just huge senior year because I knew the criteria whenever someone told me I need four beds, two baths, I knew what places. So it just helped clarify a lot of things senior year and made my job easier and more flexible. Flexibility is huge. Yo, that's that's sick. And like, I remember because you actually helped me find my apartment senior yeah. year with uh, Aaron. True. And I remember Palme- touring it or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but you actually Palmetto. found the best Palmetto. apartment for us. It was actually like a really great deal, good location, and exactly what we were looking for. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. it was Palmetto. Yeah, Palmetto. it's still there. That's hilarious. One of my friends owns a condo there, actually. <laughs> So going off of that, you did have you know experience dipping your toes as a housing scout. Do you think overall it, it was tough to break into that industry being at such a young age? Because I know you know real estate has been around for forever, and there's a lot of older players. So to your earlier point about building that network and meeting the right people and having the right contacts, what are some tips for starting that process? And did you feel like you're at a disadvantage being at such a young age entering that industry specifically? So one thing, if I if I would have gone back, I was really practicing on mindset and whatnot. And that's always been something that's important. But if I could go back and tell myself something, it would be that mindset and knowing that you are you are a source of information, being confident is key. Because the mindset for me, above all, that's the most important thing. If you believe that you're not going to make any sales and you tell yourself that you won't in your head and you're trying to play it off, you're not going to make sales because you've already made your mind up in, in here, in your head. So once you switch the mindset over to like, I'm worthy of making these sales because I am a trustworthy person. I know my stuff and I'm confident. That's a game changer. Switching your mindset is probably the most crucial thing towards breaking in at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of speaking of which, what are some like routines or activities you do to really set your mind right? I don't know if you do something every morning or every week. Walk us through that. Every morning I do something known as a miracle morning. <laughs> the book is by Hal Elrod and that's been a game changer in my life. So essentially what it is, let me walk you through the routine. I wake up at 4.45, I do my bed, I drink a liter of water, then I brush my teeth. Then I go to the gym, I'll finish the gym around 6.10, about an hour or 50 minutes. After the gym, I take a cold shower. I meditate, which is very important to be with yourself in your head and to relax a bit, give yourself time you know, to relax. 
After meditations, I do affirmations, which is probably the biggest thing that I've learned. Subconsciously, we have like about 80% negative thoughts in our head. It's important to do I am statements. I am wonderful. I am great. And feel the energy flowing through your body. Affirmations are so important. And then visualizations. Visualizing yourself achieving the goals that you've set out and being happy when you achieve them in your head, kind of seeing everything, the whole picture, what you're wearing at that moment, who you're talking to and this and that visualizations, then scribing, which is writing down what you're thinking of in your head and writing three things you're grateful for, and then reading for about 30 minutes. So from the time I woke up at 445 to like 730, I'm done. And I have the whole day to myself now, like to work and whatnot. It's barely 730. So I start my my work day like at 815, maybe because I eat breakfast and then do other stuff. So by 815, I'd say ready to rock and roll, baby. That's awesome. And I know of that practice from like a few different like motivational YouTubers I follow. Like I've seen them like hustle, wake up at 4am, cold showers, you know, you named all of it. But how did you start getting into that? Because not everyone can just jump in, start that grinding process and being able to commit to that day by day is a skill, right? So how did you sort of ease yourself in or what tips do you have for people who want to start, you know, shaping their life? to be more productive, honestly, like yours? Yeah, it's a great question. And it really goes to self-development. Self-development is so crucial to achieving anything you want in life. Firstly, you need to take care of yourself, then you can take care of others. So it's knowing that and realizing that that's very important. And it's not about motivation because motivation comes and goes. You can go to a seminar, hear something the next day. You're like, I mean, I was motivated, but now I'm not. So with this, It's about the discipline. So what's your purpose? What's your big why? And knowing that if you start with yourself, then everything else will turn out as you as you wanted to. That's the most important thing that self realization. So I knew that I needed to take care of myself first. And how was I going to do that by meditating by doing affirmations by exercising being healthy by moving my body, visualizing the goals I wanted to achieve and setting goals for myself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's, that's like the toughest part, right? If you heard of the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. Yeah, for sure. But I was just been following that author on YouTube. And I think he had a really good episode. I bring this up because it's like finding out your purpose in life. And like, sometimes it's hard for people to ask those questions. But at the same time, maybe we aren't spending enough time really trying to answer that tough question because we're living day by day. And and not to say people are living passively, but sometimes you get caught up in, in the motions of a, a regular day and you don't sit back and really, really think about your deeper purpose. And I think that's something I'm still working on. And I'm just like really happy that you, you're able to sort of discover that so early in your life, right? Able to connect your work and your personal life and your values I'm just sort of elaborating right on what you said, but that's how I view sort of what you've been doing post undergrad. And I just think that's really inspiring and, and uh, congrats. I think that's, that's a really awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. And I guess jumping back into sort of more like work related questions, how has your experience been since like, obviously the pandemic started? I know that was a barrier or a hurdle, if you will, um, last year, but has that changed at all? Like, has your week looked different? Are you more, are you on more Zoom calls or what? what's different yeah. now? No, for sure. I mean, I always wear a mask when I see clients. At first, it was a bit different. March, April, May, we didn't really know what was going on. There was so much uncertainty. The thing is, though, everyone needs to pivot. You know, there are certain extreme situations when, okay, COVID did 
did hit someone and that's unfortunate. The reality though is for most of the people, you need to take extreme ownership and stop blaming COVID for the situation that you're in because it's all about extreme ownership. The situation that you're in is your fault. It's as simple as that. So with this, I knew I needed a pivot because if not, I was going to be in a situation where I obviously did not want to be. So I pivoted my strategy. My strategy was going to be networking with people, meeting a lot of people in person. Well, no, I couldn't do that anymore. So what did I have to do? Be on podcasts. Thankfully, I've been on a lot of podcasts. At first, though, I had to reach out to people and tell my story so that they could have me on their podcast. That was the first thing. And then just be active on social media. That's been very, very big. And then reach out to my sphere of influence and genuinely be curious about them, see how they're doing. And if I can help them with anything real estate related, that'd be amazing. So a lot of people are seeing that, look, Andres bought his home. It's possible at our age. And that's how I started getting a lot of clients. Yeah, well said. And again, not to plug my boy up, but he also helped me uh, refinance my home recently. So, oh yeah, he, hell yeah, uh, with Josh. <laughs> yeah, Josh. He yeah, he took care awesome. of me, and so Josh. No, thanks amazing. again for that. Yeah, Dude, left him a good Zillow review. You know, five stars. Nice, I like it. Well, that's awesome. Um, speaking of which, I guess you know, what would you say are some like the best tips or advice for those who are interested in buying their first home, especially at our age? Like, what kind of steps can they take to start down that journey? You know, maybe they're starting to save money now or thinking about it, but they don't have a plan. I mean, what would you say to them in terms of navigating that? You you probably answer the question to have a plan. I mean, you need a plan. So how do you get a plan? You read, you educate yourself. It's a very, very mainstream answer, educating yourself. It's true, though. That's probably the most important way. Also having a mentor or someone that's going to help you, like maybe your lender or your realtor. Obviously, your realtor is supposed to help you. You need a competent realtor. And I'd say it's important to know, okay, what strategy will I be pursuing? Because there's a lot of strategies you can pursue with the home purchase. The strategy that I help a lot of clients with is known as a house hacking strategy. So essentially what that is, whenever you buy a home, you have to put a down payment with the lender. That's going to be money out of your pocket. Let's say I put 3% down, 3% of 100,000, that's 3,000. The bank is lending me the rest of the 97,000. And I have to pay them those 97,000 over 30 years. So it's going to be 360 payments. So each month there's a mortgage payment that you have to pay. What I do, I get a home that has at least four bedrooms. I live in one and rent out the other three to my roommates. So that with that rent, I can cover the mortgage each month. That's called house hacking. And it's a great strategy if you're thinking of getting rid of your housing expense. And just in general, it's probably the best strategy to be financially free at such a young age. Yeah, no, I love that. And that that makes a lot of sense. Would you say that just going off of that, would you say that because of the low interest rate, I know we're getting more technical environment we're in, it's been even easier to buy homes? Like, how do you feel like going forward as like we start returning to, you know, the the economy is obviously returning and people are going back to work and, and then sort of the, how do you feel about the housing industry going forward? I mean, interest rates are just going to appreciate, right? Yeah, no, for sure. So the housing market, and there's so much uncertainty with COVID and whatnot when it started. There had to be a way that the the economy would bounce back. So they lowered interest rates so that a lot of people saw the incentive to buy homes. That's the reason. When the economy picks back up, which it's starting to do so, interest rates go up intrinsically. So with that, interest rates have been going up. Lately, we've been seeing not a big spike. They're still at an all-time low, but they have been going up as opposed to like three or four months ago. So they're going to go up and less people are probably going to be able to afford homes. Those are the facts. 
yeah, I guess there's nothing we can do about it. But just knowing that we're in such a good environment right now, I feel like it has incentivized at least a lot of my friends to buy homes. And oh, so yeah. I think it's super smart, especially in Austin. I think the real estate market here is just crazy. It is booming for sure. Yeah. So just jumping back into your majors and in college, how did you decide that supply chain wasn't for you? And why did you ultimately go into real estate? Yeah, that's a great question. So with the supply chain side of things, <laughs> I remember one of my friends told me it it's up and coming and it'd be great. So I was like, you know what? I got into McCombs. Let me just choose supply chain. I did know some of it, but not much. I was a freshman. So with this, know that you're thinking of getting into a major. Don't worry if you're not sure. What you want to make sure of though, once you choose that major, is that within the year or the two years, you know if it's something you want or don't want. And if it's something you don't want, that's good because you've discarded something that was not going to make sense as opposed to maybe sticking with it for three or four years and then being like, I wish I would have just discarded it. How do you discard it? That's through internships, through firsthand experience. So me, supply chain, something I wanted. Okay, I need to get an internship because I really need to know firsthand what is this about? Got an internship in Juarez in Mexico. Wonderful. It just wasn't my thing. Then international business. I think another major came up, but I switched to international business within the year because I had lived in France when I was 16 and I got to go to France again when I was 20 or 21. Amazing experience. And I was like, you know what? International business is something I'm passionate about. I love meeting people. I love learning about cultures and potentially even doing business abroad. That was the initial job that I wanted, doing commercial real estate in France. So international business, joined all all the classes, learned what it was really, really about. Really enjoyed it. In the end, though, the real estate was my calling as a residential realtor. So that's selling homes, single family homes. And that's what I chose. So you don't really have to do what your major, do the major that you get, you know, in the end, you can always choose to do whatever you want and whatever motivates you and whatever will fulfill your purpose. Absolutely. And well said, I think a lot of folks in college and, you know, even alum look back and like think, okay, well, this major doesn't necessarily apply to my day job at all, actually. And for me that ironically, even though I major in finance, and I am a financial analyst, I would say like, 90% 90% of what I learned is not transferable to my day job, exactly. yeah, which is like, what did I do insane. for the last four years? Like, but that's, pretty, yeah. Pre- yeah, it's pretty insane. And one book I recommend everybody, I recommend 100% everyone reads, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That'll change your that's perspective a on a lot of ways to see the, the rat race, which is what it is. An eight to five is a rat race that unfortunately doesn't build your legacy. At times, obviously you do need it to get the experience and whatnot. Later on in our 30s or 40s, if you're still in that rat race, then you have to reconsider some things. For sure. Because at the end of the day, like if you don't find meaning in your job and you're not you know, passionate about your work, how do you expect to move up vertically and how do you expect to see that bump in your pay? And then how do you expect to be happy and filled? Um, there's, yeah. there's just a lot of issues with choosing a comfy nine to five, if you will. And I agree. And again, I'm in that position, but I'm not exactly comfortable. I'm still challenging myself every day. So I think there are opportunities still available at my age, but I totally agree and not trick yourself, but you have to acknowledge that things don't come easy and a nine to five is not going to be the end all be all for a lot of people, unless that's exactly what you're looking for. But no, thanks for sharing that. And Actually, I'm curious, you were talking about how you specifically chose between residential and commercial real estate. Could you walk us through like the difference between the two and why you sort of changed from commercial to uh, residential? 
Yeah, so commercial, I had had three internships in commercial real estate. Commercial real estate can essentially be retail space, office space, like land to build many different type of things, as long as it's not to be lived in. That's essentially what commercial is. So I was doing office space commercial in Houston with JLL for one summer. And it was something that I did like because it is your own time if you're a broker. A broker is someone that is essentially the manager of the people under him, like financial analysts and whatnot. He gets his clients, he or she make money when they make a sale. So on this, I was really like, you know what? I am going to start as a financial analyst there. It's an eight to five. That does not motivate me. I want to be the, I want to be able to choose my own time. I mean, right now I'm doing a podcast at 8.57, probably in a normal job. Obviously, I'd be starting at 8 and wouldn't be able to do that, you know? So so with that, it was just something that motivated me Motivated me, and also making my own money. When I made that $1 million sale, 1.1, I got like 30000 or around there in commission. And I was 20 or 21. Just like, dude, if I can do this like at least once a month or twice a month, imagine what I can be. Firstly, making that's that's not that important, but making that is the means to what I want to do is financial freedom. So with that, I can buy more properties, you know, so that's what motivates me, not the money, but what the money can do for me. It's like, you know what? Commercial. Okay. Not as motivating residential, very motivating. It scares me because it's an independent contractor as in that I won't make money unless I make a sale. It scares the crap out of me. So that's why I wanted to jump in it because it really scared me. Well said. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I guess, yeah, again, going back to earlier points that, that fear and that risk and, and just keeping you on your toes really motivates you to do more with your time. And, and it obviously shows with how you shape your days. And uh, I was going to say, you're like a mini Graham Stefan little plug for that <laughs> YouTuber. You can be him. He's, he's awesome. He went from real estate to YouTube and he's, a he's, he's super frugal. Yeah. He's a, he's a baller. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And, and lastly, again, thanks, Andres, for sharing all of that. For our listeners that are interested in just contacting you or wanting to know more about what you do and about how they can reach you, uh, where would you direct them or what, what's a good so media? Facebook, Andres Bustamante, and then Instagram, Andres, A-N-D-R-E-S, Busta, B-U-S-T-A-T-X. You use Instagram way more, but I've made Instagram um show the same stories on facebook so anytime i post any stories they also go on facebook perfect and once again andres thanks for joining us really really happy you were able to get on this show of course brother appreciate you you have a great one all right signing off again best regards brian and andres 